Today is Monday, the 4th of December, 2023. And let's say with all our heart and soul, Unfortunately, the news is bad today, and uh, the Kabonet hit very close to us, part of us. If you paid attention, one of the soldiers killed yesterday is Zussman. This is the second great-grandson of the Bentheims to fall in battle, Gedalia. And this is Zussman. It's Ava and Edna Zussman. Edna is a daughter of the famous Bentheim family, Charlie and Ilse. And uh, this is their grand-grandson. Ava's a graduate of MTA, I still recall him from the 60s, and uh, Edna is a graduate of Central, Manhattan Central, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, their grandson was one of the elite frontline units. Shem Yerachem Aleinu, Hashem Yikomotamol. One of the nice uh, stories to come out of the... Uh, terrible war we're in it's you have to see this to believe it but two residents of Nachalos that's right near Gaza right on the front line went back to their home after almost two months after the Hamas massacre which they fled and when they got back to their home they found this note plus 50 shekel left there by IDF soldiers who were stationed in their evacuated city. The note says, we took a bottle of wine to do Kiddush for Shabbat. This is the money for it. Thanks and sorry that they put a heart on the note and an Israeli flag. Here's the picture of the note. All right. I have to listen to Rakefet. I have to tell you I'm in a state of deep mourning because this boy grew up a few blocks from my house. And his mother and father were very close to my eldest daughter and her husband and uh, the grandparents, both my children and myself and my wife, have been very close to for many decades. We pay a heavy price, and it hurts all the more if you saw the Agudit Yisrael statement. I just wrote to a student, students write to me, think I have influence on the world. I, I have maybe influence on a few people sitting in front of me and on the screen. But uh, I wrote about Agudit Yisrael, Israel doesn't exist for them. Lakewood is Israel for them. In other words, the Yotzei, I mean, you can't believe the statement they issued that would heal him, and I can't even repeat it. So, God should give strength. I have to listen to Rakefet and teach as if everything is totally normal. Uh, we're talking here about the, uh, and, and I also want to mention, I hope he'll pick it up, he's not on the screen now, 
Uh, I mentioned the tshuva of the Nodabi Hudi yesterday with the sins we have seen, which are just unbelievable what Jews are capable of. And uh, when, we, when we're good, as Chazal say, we're the greatest in the world, with Tzadikim. And when we're bad, we're, we're really bad. So um, they're all upset with the, the good statements. So, okay, I wrote back. Another student wrote to me about yesterday's shear, the Nodabi Huda with the son-in-law having an ongoing illicit relationship with uh, Jacob. Do me a favor, shift over here, I want to see everyone. Uh, having an illicit relationship with his mother-in-law. So the student remembered the tshuva, but he's mixed up some of the facts. I just want to state the tshuva. I just learned years ago, it's not for now. But... Uh, there were two questions involved. He wants to do tshuva now, and uh, one is, does he have to tell his father-in-law with the divorce part? The other part was, how do you do tshuva? Tshuva tamishkal. And like he wants to sit in the snow. Uh, when should he fast? How many days a week? And these are Kabbalistic concepts. And there the Nolde Yehuda punches him in the nose and tells him, we don't believe in that. At the end... He backs down a little and says, but if you insist, do the following. But it's, uh, it's a very fascinating tshuva. And uh, Avraham, uh, th- those are the two questions. And look up the tshuva, you'll see the Nodabihuda's answer. Now, that answer, let's come back to last week. And I want to deal with Jack Levenstein, made a few comments. And just this morning, believe it or not, I got a, a letter uh, trying to convince me that the messianists are correct. So <laughs> it's exactly what Jack asked about. Um, th- there's no question that the Vilna Gaon was opposed to Hasidut. He led the battle, he stood very firm. Y- y- the, I cited volumes years ago. It's not, again, it's not for now. I don't want to repeat myself. I'm, I'm here to teach new material. I'm teaching myself, and I want to teach myself new material. But that Professor Valensky, who I yet met when I came in Aliyah, he put out two volumes of all the Haramim against the Chassidim. No Haramim equal the, uh, I would say, the strong language of the Haramim of the Vilna Gaon. And he was 100% opposed. Uh, we'll have to talk about the Lushen and Rab Chaim and the opposition. And I don't have to tell you this battle continues until today. Part of the opposition, and this you'll find not just with the Vilna Gaon, you'll find this in the Nolde Yehuda, in various chivat of the Nolde Yehuda, Rabbi Cheskel Landau. You see what the Hasidim did, they turned the Rebbe into an intermediary with God. And this raises the whole question of the Cheta Egel. Now, you're not youngsters here. You've all studied the whole question of the Mishkan. Uh, is the Mishkan Allah Chila or Bidiyavad? Now, you tell me. It's a whole Machoikis, Rashi, Ramban. When was the Mishkan decreed? Was it decreed before Cheta Egel or after Cheta Egel? Uh, and the order in the Torah is not necessarily correct because we say you're with me Morty and you can go either way that 
the Mishkan was decreed before. If the Mishkan is decreed before, then it's an eternal concept. If it comes afterwards, it may very well be a compromise with the human being that you want something tangible. If you recall when I came back from Russia the first time, 1981, so I told my classes, I was then teaching many different classes in many different schools, uh, and I told them the Russians are smarter than we are. We believe Tzel Baseta, he's, we don't see him. And the Russians got us on every street corner, pictures of Lenin, Stalin, Marx, statues, houses used to get an award for the most beautiful decorations in memory of Lenin. Uh, so you see, it could be the Cheda Egel, God had to make a compromise and tell us that we need something tangible. Uh, I can tell you in parentheses, different Torah of mine, which are a half series and half a joke, but you all know with the uh, collection of funds for the Mishkan, the Daiva Hotea, and uh, they tell Moshe Rabbeinu, but Saul tells Moshe Rabbeinu, we have more than enough money. And Moshe Rabbeinu tells the people, no more. That's it. No, I want to ask you, when did a rabbi give a, 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 you know, a rabbi makes an appeal. Did you ever hear a rabbi stop the appeal in the middle and say, well, we hit a million dollars, we have enough. Believe me, I've made appeals and... I've raised them. I can always find what to do with, with, with stuck money. Yeah, okay, whoever. Ah, but I'll tell you what the pshat is. I, and by the way, I don't know who I heard this from or if it's my own. You know, there's certain things I've said over so many times. But the answer is very simple. If we take the approach that the Mishkan is tshuva for chet ha'egel, no, when it comes to tshuva, there are limits. Don't go overboard. You follow? I see ballet tshuva. Sometimes you can't recognize them. They're overboard. I, I once had a kid I taught in the 60s. It's a true story. I, I'm sure he would love me to mention his name, but all right, I won't mention it. Very prominent Torah family. And uh, he was distributing pornographic literature in YU, in MTA. And Mr. Abrams, you don't know what went on, and I, ah, don't ask. A few years later, he goes to Itri, he meets me at hotel, and he gives me Musa that I'm wearing a kippasruga. You follow? I looked at him, I said, everybody, Shalala, you've come a long way since the day. He got me into trouble, because I told Mr. Abrams, not possible, my student, he said, no. And Abrams has a whole pile, I don't want to mention the uh, magazine on his desk, he says to me, Arnold, look at these magazines, where did we get them? Your student lied to you. Ah, uh, don't ask what went on. Okay, so you see, Chuva, imagine he's giving me Muslim wearing a kippasruga. But I have to say, 30 years after that, or 40 years after that, uh, it all fell into place. I'm sitting in the King David Hotel having breakfast with this very prominent Torah family that also contributed hundreds of millions of dollars to YU, Urban and Ruth Shapiro, Urban Zechon of Levracha, Yibada Ruthie. And uh, 
Erwin shows me this two people sitting across from us and two tables away, this man just gave $5 million to MTA, and sitting with him is my old nemesis student, uh, etc., Musa, and, and, and then my Talmud comes over to me with the person who gave all this money, and he, Erwin is happy to see him, you know, money people, the people donate, the donors, why you? And my Talmud introduces me to the donor, and this is my Rebbe from years ago, who's the greatest expert on responsible literature in the world. And I say to him, Lenny, how do you know I know anything in response to literature? Back in the 60s, I tried to teach you how you handle a Daf Gemara with Rashi, Taishvist, Sak of the Rambam. He says, Rebbe, I've been listening to you share for years. I gave him a kiss. I said, Kanitoti, modern Hebrew, you just bought me. That's it. Compliments like that will get you everywhere. Okay. So um, th there's no question that tshuva and all that goes with it has to be within limits. This urge in a human being, why can't I see God? Why can't I touch God? And what they were worried about the Hasidic world is that having a Rebbe the Rebbe became the intermediary with God. And I don't have to tell you the implications. Uh, people go to a Rebbe, pray for me, uh, daven for me, do this for me, as if the Rebbe has the key to God. You're an individual. You have to approach the Rebani Shlagam. And you see, this was a great fear with Hasidus. A Rebbe within limitation is a wonderful idea, a role model. But when you put the Rebbe into a world that is supernatural, you're playing with fire. And th this takes us to Chabad of today. Uh, Jack, Yaakov Levenstein raises the issue. And this, of course, is David Berger. If you mention David Berger to Chabadnikim, many of them don't react happily. But David Berger, I believe, is absolutely correct when you talk about messianicism and the Rebbe rising from the dead. Look, I grew up in a Catholic neighborhood. The minute you say the words, rising from the dead, who are we talking about? And this is very frightening. And uh, this is why there's such opposition to the mess messianicists. Uh, can Mashiach be someone rising from the dead? All right, I gave lectures on this years ago already. Uh, look, we'll, we'll look into the Gemara in Chelek. You could make a case, it could be, but I won't believe it till it happens. Right now, I have to be a Chabadnik, a friend of Chabad of the normative element. I cannot handle the messianic element, but this was the great fear of the Gon, of the Nodeh Yehuda, if I would quote to you the Nodeh Yehuda, Kenny, you would say, the Nodeh Yehuda said that? Absolutely. He describes the way they describe a Rebbe, that he can do miracles and do this and that, and, and he laughs at it. He laughs at it. Now, there are more overtones to this. 
because this takes us to the contemporary world. And here I quote Rakefet, no one can prove me wrong. Unfortunately, the whole Litvisha world, 80% has gone Hasidic. You see, when you dress the same way, that's not the world that I grew up in. It's not the world that I studied in. It's not the world of Lakewood that I learned in, in addition to the Rav and YU and the Rebbeim and my research. And believe me, I have a time machine. I've been back in Slabatka and Mia and Tells. I've been in Eastern Europe and, and all dressed the same. And, and you see, that's... A good Israel can never understand the Rav. When, when Mori Rebbe died, Jewish Observer had the stupidest eulogy for the Rav. Either don't publish nothing or publish something on a level. But they publish, we don't understand the Rav. Everyone else, they tell me them look alike, think alike, dress alike. And the Rav raised so many different Talmud them. Like they criticized him. And to me, the, the Rav, that's the beauty of the Rav that we could sit before him in that picture that a guy named Rakef had worked years to identify all 29. Sometimes all I had was a nose to identify. Sometimes, remember, the rub's hand covers up Izzy Wind. And, and Aaron Lichtenstein, all I have there is the bottom of his jacket. You have no idea. My wife got the last, the last identity I owe to my wife, Malka. She said, who wore a bow tie? Because the guy, the rubber's covering, had a bow tie. And I went to my college yearbook, and then I that's Izzy Wind. And you have no idea how happy Tova Lichtenstein was, Chaim Salavechik was, why? Because Izzy had a hard life. He married a, a lovely girl. They had difficulty with getting, having children, and had a hard life. And I identified him. He's remembered today. Remember, that's an achievement that you're remembered. So, yes, sitting before the Rav, 29 individuals, underline the word individuals, and Max, in that picture, you have the leaders of YU right-wing, the leaders of YU centrist, the leaders of YU left-wing. Just this morning I got a letter from a comrade of mine before you were born in the Kolel and he told me off that I'm too right-wing. He doesn't like my hashkafa, that I feel kahanat sadak. You follow me? Baruch Hashem. Don't tell me off. Tell me you disagree. You're entitled to a different viewpoint. Fine. But I'm entitled to my viewpoint. But this was the opposition and... Uh, I think Jack is correct that this concept of having an intermediary, which today is a Christian concept, but you can trace it back. The Mishkan, the Ego Hazahav, and the Homachloket Rishonim was the Mishkan Lachatchila or a compromise with man's instincts. And by the way, the Murnabuchim, you can go into the Rambam, I don't want to go into more detail, but you can go into the Rambam, the Murnabuchim, you find that the Murnabuchim, a lot of concepts were a comprise with men. For instance, the Charlie, Kabarnat, the Murnabuchim, the Rub said many have tried to bring the Murnabuchim and, and the Mishnah Torah together, but he says, 
I don't know who has succeeded. It's two different people. The Maranavuchim. I have my, my answer was very simple. I once gave a lecture and people came over. Oh, they love it. I said the Maranavuchim is Aaron Rothkopf speaking in Maplewood, South Orange. The Mishnah Torah is Aaron Rothkopf. Aaron Rothkopf, whatever name you know him by, speaking in YU. You follow the difference? There's one way you teach your class, and there's another way you have to deal with Balabatam, who you're trying to bring to Torah Tashem. Okay, but fine. Gotta tell you something amazing. So we dealt with the Hakdama to the Gaon in the Shulchan Aruch, and his sons talk about he slept two hours out of 24, four times a half hour. And I discussed it in the 70s, there was research. And it's absolutely true, you'll accomplish a lot more if you could work around the clock and every few hours take a little nap. My dear student, Steve Gross, Steve Gross, I have to tell you, is unique because uh, I think he said every share I've given since the colo began in 78, so Steve sent me an article that just, I can't believe it. November 30th, 2023. Steve is a scientist, ABC Science from a magazine or news or a website. Antarctica's chin-strape penguins get four seconds of shut-eye 10,000 times a day in the nesting season. I, 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 I couldn't believe And the article deals with the fact that in the nesting season, they have to get a lot accomplished, a lot done. And by not sleeping 10,000 times a day, you got to read the article. They close their eyes on the average four seconds and they're back to work. So there's no question in my mind if we could develop a system six hours, six hours, six hours, six hours and take off one hour each time to sleep, well, we could develop. But Vic, maybe you could do it. But if you have a wife and children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and you have to live and go shopping and everything normal, boy, you're not going to get anywhere. And uh, that's why all these ingenious ideas fall through. Then I want to go one step further and to give you a, an article. And uh, let me make a comment. It's a topic you can pick up and research and do a PhD on it. What is the Gong's attitude towards secular studies? And here, you know, no one can deny that he published a book on trigonometry and algebra and words and there that I couldn't even pronounce. I needed an atomic scientist <laughs> to help me pronounce the words. And as uh, Steve Gross said, they copied the Gons diagrams uh, when they needed textbooks here in Israel. So there's no question that what I said last week is correct. I cannot make a case for why you with liberal arts and uh, all types of, you know, studies were never limited. I personally am very thankful. 
I always felt that if I would skip a Gemara, let's say you hit a Gemara that has sex in it. So you're teaching kids 15, 14, 15, 16 years old, better skip that Gemara. If you skip the Gemara, the kid is going to dafka look up that Gemara, and without having the guidance of a Rebbe, who knows what he'll get out of the Gemara. So I never skipped anything, whether it was Agada or sex, Torah, got to know everything. Life involves everything. Agatha is here to stay. Sex is here to stay. Thank God sex is here to stay. You know the Gemara I'm referring to. The Gemaras actually. Human Sanhedrin. They didn't find an egg. Chickens stopped laying eggs. Who would marry? What have to marry a stranger for? Spend money on her? Who needs kids? A pain in the neck. Look at our Sunday. You don't know what I just uncovered. For the Sunday class, kids, aggravation, beating them up, uh, who knows, the wild, uh, the ruler, you don't know, I got a source, Charlie, second to none, but it has to wait for uh, the week after Hanukkah. So, uh, thank God we have a sexual urge, and marriage is, the, the, a happy marriage is the greatest achievement in life, period. They ask the Baron Lichtenstein, what's your greatest achievement? My family. And anyone with Seicha will always answer, you can be the greatest person in the world and a scholar and a Talmud Chacham, etc., etc. Children, continuity, what we've given to the Jewish people after the Holocaust, what we've rebuilt, Tzva Haganali Yisrael, what individuals, what we have achieved, what an army. No one in the Akuta doesn't understand this. Lakewood, the, for them, the Holocaust never happened. It's beyond words. Their mentality. Frightening, frightening. Baruch Hashem. Gemara, Saita, who, Muhammad Mitzvah, even Kalami Chupata, basic curriculum, core curriculum, Ha'av Chayav, it's, it's like, you choose the Gemara that makes you happy. You keep the Gemara that you can't live with. Throw it out. Let Rakefa deal with it. Very sad. Okay. But the Luna Gaon is very sharp. He, 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 he criticizes the Rambam, the Ramah, Lohu, the Loha Rambam, Ruhu, Ruhu et Apartes. I, I made a case. Mohon Lev. There already you see closer to the Gaon. All right, a world has been written on this, and I just want to show you one article that appeared in Torah Madhya Journal. It's 1980, 1998, 1999, volume 8, pages 283 to 294. I know the author of the article, Rafal Shuchat. He came in Aliyah, I'm not mistaken, from Montreal. I know him from decades ago. I believe his father was a rabbi in Montreal, may very well been in a big conservative temple there that had a mechitza. It was a very interesting situation. Today it's a totally orthodox shoe. Uh, if I'm wrong, correct me. And uh, this article deals the gone. How do we know about the gone? How do we know about secular subjects? Who put the book out on mathematics? This is all his students. And Rebarach Mishikolab and the famous statement that they say in the name of the Gong for every level 
of secular knowledge that you're missing, you'll, 100 times Torah knowledge will be lacking. And we can understand that. If, you, if I, When I study uh, a Ruven, when I study Nita, when I study, I, I need, I need general knowledge, mathematics and, and the body and botany and all that goes with it, biology. And do we, re- is this really the Gonshita? And then you look at his students, some of them were more hesitant. And here, let me explain to you what has happened. And this becomes a study unto itself. You see, the Vilnagon was living at a time, he dies in the 1790s. Haskalah existed very strongly in Germany, Western Europe. It had not yet come full force into Eastern Europe. His Talmudim functioned in the early 18, mid-1800s. By that time, Haskalah had come into Eastern Europe. Now, the Haskalah were very different. The one in Western Europe, you know, ultimately led Loalenu to total assimilation, intermarriage. Moshe Mendelssohn, the grandson of the Ramah, or great-grandson of the Ramah, Ramesha Isolis's great-grandson, named after him, Ramesha Mendelssohn, he was credited with being the first Moscow. And he was a totally from Jew. And he would be very much at home in Yeshiva University today. And you all know that one, I believe it's one or two grandchildren died Jewish. I don't think there was one great-grandchild who was still Jewish. And that was Tashkalah. It overran the Jews in Germany. I suggest on your reading list the person who did the finest critical biography of Moshe Mendelssohn, by the way, was an acquaintance of the Rub from Berlin yet, was Alexander Altman. He taught at Brandeis after he reached America in the early years of Brandeis. And his volume in Alexander Altman is a, a number one, published by Jewish Publication Society. I, I don't know, Charlie, if he wrote it in English or German, if it's a translation or he translated. I mean, his native language was German. And he was a Shoma Shabbat Jew. And his, you, you'll understand Mendelssohn, you'll understand what happened in Germany. And it's... Uh, I can tell it to you very simply. Uh, 1969, 70, BMT, I went on a hike. You know, I was younger, I had energy. I would go on a hike with my students. And uh, Dov Begun was our madrich, the famous Rav Dov Begun. God should give him health. And Arika German Machon Meyer, the man has tremendous schoolyard. He's responsible for tens of thousands of Jews being Shemre Torah Mitzvah today. So uh, we went into a uh, tunnel uh, near Yam Suf, near, near uh, the Dead Sea, Yam HaMelech, I should say. I'm, I'm in Saudi Arabia, Yam Suf, near, near, near the Dead Sea. And 
we're in this tunnel and you go further, 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 you don't see a thing. And we're telling Dove, we, we can't see, how do we go? Just follow me. He says, don't worry about it. Two minutes later, you come out, broad daylight, the sun, you are blind. And you can't believe it. You go from absolute dark, takes minutes for your eyes to adjust. So I always told my students that was the Haskalah in Western Europe. It was overwhelming that Jews were from the ghetto, Nebish, who are they, what are they, what is their background, what do they know? And here suddenly they're invited, join us in the big world. And they were blinded. Lower Lenu, the children, the grandchildren. Beautiful world. And ultimately... Yiddishkeit left behind. By the time it reached Eastern Europe, Jews already knew about Haskalah. Some of them already knew a little local language, math, science. They weren't totally blinded. And the Haskalah took on many positive values in Eastern Europe. For instance, the most of the writing and research was in Hebrew. They resuscitated the Hebrew language. Number one. Number two. Ultimately, it gave birth to Zionism. We're only sitting here. Remember, Zionism didn't begin with Herzl. Herzl deserves the credit that he succeeded in making it real. But Rav Kalischer, Rav Molliver, Rav Alkali, Rav Gutenmacher, people spoke about Zionism, returning home, Shiva Tzion, the famous Sefer, Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva Eka. And, and it took on a more positive tinge, coloration, configuration. Nevertheless, there were those from the Haskalah. <coughs> Let's revise Torah. Certain parts of our deportment, demeanor, are not modern, not up to date. And there were some negative overtones. What happened with the Talmudim of the Grah, you will find that not all of them were as positive about secular scientific study or general scientific study I shouldn't use the word secular because the goal and everything had a purpose they were not as positive as the goal they were hesitant it, it was limited they were worried about the big world beyond them and this article is very fascinating because it deals with this very topic and it shows you not everyone could embrace the Gaon in a time when you were fighting a battle with the Haskalah, the winds of Haskalah, the winds of the war of Haskalah were coming across from Western Europe. And, and this, I'll translate it into modern language. You go to Rav Shach. And you all know I had a strong, his son was my classmate in Bernard Revel, Effie Shach, we were very good friends. And 
here in Israel, we renewed our friendship. Did you, any, did you ever meet Effie? Ever? We used to say, he, he came back to Israel and moved into the neighborhood right near my eldest children. He davened in my son-in-law's shoe. And I come into the shoe one day. Effie, he jumps on me. Arnie! Not, you don't remember me? We were together in Professor Mirsky's class. And I look at him and I said, Effie, you know, and we didn't know at the time. We knew his father was a Rosh Hashiv in Hadarom, your neighborhood. No one knew that his father would go on to become the Gadol Shebegadolim. And he was assistant principal in Flatbush for many years. And then he came back to Israel. And we used to relive, you know, as in, we, we, we were exposed to very great minds. Different types of people, but very great minds. So we would relive some of the classes we were in and the teachers and their comments. So you go to Rav Shach and you say to Rav Shach, Loma kamitna gate kolkach lemosad kamo yeshivi university. Hello, Rav Salavechik, Rav Yosef Dov Alevi, Omeid Barosh HaYeshiva, Kukaon Hutzadek, Eng Mala Gabayalav, Lo Eina Fachat Shumakachesh. And Rav Shach will answer you, Atat Shodek, Avo Ekendastan, Mirkeninisht. And I heard this a thousand times over. He can do it. We can't. You see, and, and this is the fear. You'll say, look, why you turned out such fine students? What's wrong with the Baron Lichtenstein? What's wrong with the Peshel Shechter? What's wrong with the Mordechai Willig? What's wrong with Reb Michael Rosenzweig? Yeah, I can go on and on. I mean, these are people I know. There's a whole new generation today. They're fabulous. So again, you'll get the answer. They're unique. But the general population cannot handle it. And, and this is what you'll find with Talmudim of the Grah. And you'll also find it until today when you want to argue with someone who is the Vilnagon, secular studies, why you, etc. You'll get the same approach. What the Gon could do, I'll smack your face if you think you can do it. You follow? Eken, Mekeninish. And believe me, this is the. You have some people in the right wing world who are foolish. They'll say, get out of here, he, he doesn't know how to learn, he's not a tzaddik, he's not this, he's not that. All right, with those people, there's nothing to talk about. But they're people who are honest, and they'll say, you're absolutely right. It's the greatest goal, the greatest Rosh Hashiva, Anenikul and Rabchayim, Rabchayim's mind, Rabchayim's ability. He can. We can. Now, if you want to see the Rambam and very cute language, and this goes back to the Ramah, the Ramah is quoting the Rambam in Hilchatama Torah. Again, I'm, this topic, you can do, a, in, entire story have been written already, and it still lends itself to a proper PhD uh, in Barilan or Hebrew you or Bernard Greville Graduate School, unless I'm overestimating Bernard Greville Graduate School today. Again, Jacob, I know BRGS from when I was a student there. You follow me? I, I'm not, I don't know what's going on today. But look at the Igro Karambam uh, 
the, the edited edition uh, put out by Yitzchak Shilat. Do you know who Rav Yitzchak Shilat is? See, this too, I've told so many people in the right-wing world that uh, they'll say, how can we go to the army? We won't come out Gedole Yisrael. I look at them. You won't come out Gedole Yitzchak Shilat. He did Hester. Chaim Sabato. The Chaim Sabato, he did Hester. You can go on and on with names of Gedole Yisrael who did Hester. Okay. Person has the ability, you have to do what? I mean, you, you, you're busy putting on filling so you're exempt from learning Torah? You know the Chantan Sefer that I've quoted so many times. Okay. Anyway, he edited the Grilton Rambam. He's married to a student of mine, by the way, from Michalad. And if you look at volume 2, page Tuf Kuf Bet, in other words, three, it's 402, and it's a letter to Rabbi Yehonatan Kohen and Lunel, and uh, he writes about his attitude towards general subjects, and he says, there's no question that my wife is Torah Tashem Limudei Kodesh. But he says, there are also females in the world who are not Jewish. And he says, Moaviyot, Amoniyot, Adomiyot, Sidoniyot. And he says, sometimes they can teach you something too. So he says, no question about it, my main wife, Laharot Hamim Vasarim Ejafra Kitovat Marehi. That's Limudei Kodesh. But nevertheless, I have to divide my heart up and I have Lechalakim Habei Bechol Minei Chachma. And that's the Rambam, and the language there is uh, elegant because. Uh, I love the way he compares it. It's like a shivcha and mistresses. It's like a, a, a wife and mistresses. A wife is with Kedushin and the Ketuvah, you know the Gemara. And a mistress is believe Kedushin and believe Ketuvah. But he's, that's the way he describes it. All right, there's no question that the Halacha being raised in Wahyu and being a Talmud of the Rav, I uh, can agree with the Rambam's beautiful words, believe the nefesh. Halach Lamaisa, I can only say that in my own life, I learned a lot more Torah by going to Wahyu than remaining in Lakewood. And that's the story I told in Washington, and it's an absolute true story. In Lakewood, there was a Talmud, uh, what an individual, Matmid uh, Atsum, learned around the clock. And not like today, someone who learns around the clock would look for a wealthy girl to marry. PhD, Papa has dough. No, he married a friend of my wife, a poor girl from Washington Heights, from a German background, a Yekit, married for love, had a beautiful marriage, but he had to make a living. He became, got involved stocks and bonds. That was his life. 
So he gets in touch with me years later. I'm from YU now. He's from Lakewood. It's a matmid atzum. Rabbi Kutler used to give a bottle of schnapps to the biggest matmid in the yeshiva on Purim. Year after year, he would get the bottle of schnapps. And years later, he contacts me. Can he speak to my sisterhood about investing in stocks? A stockbroker. I arranged for him to speak to the sisterhood. I had the, the men's club out, what you call, what is there a word for today? A different word in my term is called the men's club. No, is there a different word? Like a ladies auxiliary became a sisterhood. A men's club, anyone, anyone, a more fancy word? And he's got business. And then I got to be friendly to a certain degree with him. And I realized, who's learning more? The YU graduate. I have Panasa. I don't have to be overwhelmed by the stock market. He hears news. I remember when JFK was assassinated 50 years ago. That Shabbat, I had two stockbrokers in my shoe. They couldn't govern. They were shaking. What's going to be with the stock market? What's going to be after the funeral? What's going to be with America? Rebani Shalom, I wasn't shaking. I had to prepare Gemara, Rashi, Tosfat, give a good shear, give a good sermon. So, Beshofa Shildavad, the big Matmit from Lakewood, wound up learning less than the B'nai Akivanik Renegrade, who happened to wind up loving Rabarin Kutler, but ultimately had to go back to IU so his parents wouldn't divorce him. Gentlemen, that's Chachmat Chitzoniyot. Then we ended off the share last week with a story the Rav told. I quoted to you from the Rav, the world of, and this story dealt with the Rav. I quote, uh, you'll see it inside, page 140, volume 1, and uh, the Gon was very upset on a festival where he should have the Samachta the Gon responded that during the night, the first night of Pesach, many new Torah insights and secrets were revealed to him. When he awakened, overwhelmed by the brilliance of these thoughts, he had continued to ponderate upon. He forgot it all, why he was upset. But finally, the thoughts came back. And the Rav said, you see, this is not, this is not a Hasidish story. This is a Litvish story. And in a Litvish story, what counts is Torah. So I said something which really I was confusing. It's the same Indian, but I'm confusing something. And I want to thank Dr. Alan Blau, my dear student, who uh, corrects me. Meaning, what am I saying? Very simple. What's the problem? And you see, with Shvuas, that's what I was thinking about. Shvuas, you didn't sleep all night. Can you say Torah in the morning? You follow? No, it's a well-known Shaila. What's the remember Shvuas? People say Torah the the morning bracha. They say aloud, so anyone who didn't sleep can answer Amen. But what's the question? See, that's a question. What are these brachas about? Is it every day you say it? 
or once you say it until you make a hefseik, a hesachadat, you don't have to repeat the brachat. So you see, if, if I'll give you a simple example. Shaloh asani goy, shaloh asani evet, shaloh asani yisha, pokayach avrim, almisharomim, matiasa. Hey, listen, I'm up all night. I didn't change my religion. I'm still shaloh asani goy of yesterday. Or no, being up all night doesn't affect it. Once the new day is here, you have to make the bracha start from scratch. So it's a homach like it if it applies to over which bracha, and that's why the minigish for at night, they'll give a clap. Someone who was up all night and didn't sleep, be outside the bracha, they're now being made aloud. Right, am I right or wrong? It's in all the shuls, as far as I can recall. Today, I unfortunately, I can't stay up all night, but I remember the years I did, that was minig, that was the nohag. Here it's a little bit different. That's not the. That's that may be part of the shaila, but the question is: if you only think the Torah, do you have to make a bracha? And here's where the gong holds that even if you only think the Torah, if you're already awake, you have to make a bracha. And he was upset that he woke up. And he was thinking about the beautiful thoughts he had in his dreams, and he had not yet made Birchat Torah. Okay, Atkan, and I just want to thank uh, Alan Blau for straightening me out. Okay. Another story, I'm going further. I just want to give you a little of the feel that the Rav gave us about the Lithuanian world. Because these are Hasidic stories. No, they're Litvish stories. And here I'm quoting, I'm on page 141, I'm quoting Rav Menachem Ginak from tradition. You can get the sources. Rav Menachem Ginak tells the story. Once in a Shia, the Rav was discussing the halacha that the Sanhedrin sat in a semicircle around the Nasi. You all know uh, what the semicircle, what we're talking about, that's halacha lemaisa, so every member of Sanhedrin can see each other when they're debating a very difficult issue. And uh, for the Rav, this concept is a general law in the form of communication of Torah. It should be communicated in a fashion where the teacher and the student are visible to each other so as to be able to engage in a dialogue. To illustrate this point, the Rav recalled that when he was a young man in Chaslavich, Jacob, you know what I'm talking about, Chaslavich? Okay, uh, Max, Chaslavich? Sorry, no. You know? It's somewhere in Lithuania. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't dismiss the Lithuania, White Russia. It's there. Yeah, you're right. Haslavich is where the Rub spent its most formative years. When the, everyone makes a mistake and thinks the Rub grew up in Brisk. The Rub may have visited Brisk in his life four or five times. It's not like today that Mark goes back and forth between Jerusalem and Chicago. Chicago, Jerusalem. It's a different world today. Those years, the Rub was born in Kruzhan, 
Why was he born in Clujan? Because his grandmother, grandfather on his mother's side, his grandfather was Rebellion Feinstein, Pujana Rav, Rebellion Pujana. And then when Rebbe Moshe went into the Rabbinit, he went first to Sain, where he was there a very short period, and then he went to Haslavich. I would highly suggest that you get hold of a two-volume set called The Rav, The World of Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik. If you see it anywhere, rob it, steal it, grab it. It's a, it's a whole shock and chayshinishpot if you're allowed to rob the Frank Torah where I need them. If you can't do it that way, go to Amazon. If you can't do it that way, plead with, with the, the publisher to go to Rakefet and let him revise it and do not a printing to make money, but a proper second edition. Haslovich was a Chabad town. That's where the Rav grew up. Those were his most formative years. Uh, why it was a Chabad town, the influence on the Rav, if you can go back to Time Machine, during Rakefet's class in Gris Kolel, he spent 22 years explaining Chaslavich, Hasidis, influence on the Rav. Oh, what I can tell you, please, don't get me started. Stick to what you're teaching today, you dummy. Okay. To illustrate this point, the Rev recalled that when he was a young man in Chaslavich, the secretary of the Beitin, who was a very old man, recounted to the young Yosef Dove that he recalled as a boy having seen a very old cantor who, when he was a child, had been a member of an intentarian choir. Am I pronouncing it right? A choir that travels around. And this is the word the Rav used. That would go from town to town. The cantor had himself recalled that once, when the choir was in Vilna to perform, he had seen a very imposing man tall and handsome, walking in the street, surrounded by his disciples in a semicircle. When he inquired, who was this imposing man? He was told he was the Chassid of Vilna. In his lifetime, the God of Vilna, because of his pious words, was called the Chassid. When he asked why his disciples surrounded him in a semicircle, he was told that it resembled the Sanhedrin. This story made a powerful impression on me, for the Rav had met a man who had met another man who had actually seen the gong. I felt the link between the generations, the confluence of the mighty streams of the Messorah, not only the immediacy, but the intimacy of the relationship between the generations of the tradition, the dialogue that transcends time. The Rav was the Ramban of our generation. He walked with the Rishonim and many of his students 
were fortunate enough to walk with him. This little story lends itself to analysis of months and months. Most important, it's a litvish story. The tradition of learning, the Talmud and the Rebbe. Wow. Why am I sitting here, Abe? Who am I? What am I? Imagine. Magio, Yuzio, Williams, what I nourish kite. Ah, I spoke to Rabbi Aaron Cutler on a one-to-one basis. I sat with the Rav for so many years, corresponded with the Rav. The letter that Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein called the most important letter my father-in-law ever wrote was written to a guy named Aaron Rotkoff. It appears as an introduction to the Rav, Volume 1. That's what it's all about. Continuity, tradition, Misora, learning. Wow. We reach out, we reach back, and we reach forward to perpetuate. And this story, that's the Rav. Imagine he met someone who had met someone who yet saw the Gon of Vilna. Hagon Hechased. Fabulous story. One more story that I heard from the Rub many times. I translated from the Yiddish. And the Rub, I'm quoting him word by word now. It is told that when the Vilna Gon eulogized his wife, he claimed that she had suffered more than he. They had both endured hunger many times because of their poverty. However, she had been very cold because there had been no fuel to heat their home. He studied in the community's Beit Medrash where at least there had been heat. The Gon added that this study of the Torah had warned him. His wife had not studied Torah, yet she possessed so much dedication to Torah. So you see, this too is a semi-Hasidic story. Lo Aleinu, the Rav is eulogizing his wife. The Rav speaks about poverty, no heat, but you see, he's in the Beit Medrash. He's learning Torah. The Torah warms the person up. It gives you life. It gives you emotion that enables you to overcome any feeling of coldness. And this beautiful. Now, you can take it and do a doctorate. Compare this to Hasidic stories. Where do you find the underlining home run in a Hasidic story? The Rebbe, the Hasid, the miracle, the Litvish story, it all comes back to Torah. 
Talmud Torah, Kinegit Ilam. Okay, let me go now a step further. I'm introducing you to some volumes, and we'll come back to these volumes a number of time and again. My dear students, YU has a deep connection to the Vilna Gaon, to Rabchaim Velazhim, but the connection is even deeper than you think. When I mention it to Yossi Jacobs, he says, of course, there's a deep connection. The Rav, Sanenakul of Rabchaim Velazhim, right or wrong? A deep connection? Tell me, who is the third president of Yeshiva University? Very fine, wonderful, great individual. Rabbi Dr. Nachum or Norman Lamb. Okay. Vic, I just said Rabbi. He got a smicha. Why you? Okay, absolutely. Doctor. Where did he get his doctorate? What do you say, Yehuda Dove? Bernard Revel Graduate School. No, he he could have gone on to a doctorate in chemistry. He had a bachelor's and he worked for Israel, remember, uh, 47, 48, but he was detoured. He became a rabbi and he got a doctorate, Bernard Revel Graduate School. Elliot, what did he write on? Familiar with his doctorate? Torah Lishma. Bimishnat Rabbi Chaim Fulashim. And he did a doctorate, a very fine doctorate on Rabbi Chaim uh, He wrote the doctorate in English. It was later translated into Hebrew, a very excellent translation by Rav Maimon's daughter uh, and uh, Geula. Uh, I think her, she went with the name Ben Yehuda. Then uh, she married a professor too. Uh, and Yehudit, Yehudit, I should say. If I'm, and, and she did the trans, very fine translation. It was published by Mossad Rav Cook, the title Torah Lishma. In my possession, I have the Hebrew version. I can tell you that uh, once I picked up the English version, and it must have been 77, I think, it's in America, and I sent myself a whole carton of books. That was one of the books included. And uh, that carton never arrived. So I, my brother worked for the post, my kid brother worked for the post office before he retired. And I contacted him, I said, what do I do? A whole carton had books? I remember I had magazines for my children in it. And he said, well, you don't know what goes on. They uh, sort out the cottons. Arabs work there as well. They find the cotton of books. They simply mark it Saudi Arabia. And when it arrives in Saudi Arabia, they uh, put the bonfire on it. So I never, ever recovered what I had in that carton of books which I sent I remember book rate there was a special rate as long as it's books published in America and um, there was the English one I don't know if they have it here does anyone know if they have it upstairs in any of the libraries here 
But okay, I'm quoting from the Hebrew edition, Torah Lishma. I'm very thankful for his work because, you see, the question comes up, who do we quote when we talk about the Chaim of Elash? And a lot has been written on him, but some of it is on the level of Atzkro. When you quote something in academia, you want to know you're right. And there's one volume I got many years ago on Toldot of Chaime Voloshin, written by a graduate of Voloshin whose father was a Voloshiner. And I always felt that that volume by Harav Moshe Shemuel Shapiro Shmukla. I'll quote the volume, I'm not quoting it now. In one of his early footnotes, right at the start of his work, Nachum Lam says, I'm quoting from page one, footnote five, that that's the most honest and best biography we have on Reb Chaim Volushin. So I will quote it many times. Beginning on page two, uh, he describes the relationship between the Gong and his Talmudim. And here I can paraphrase that the Gong was never a Rebbe, never a Malamed. You see, this leads to a different problem that we're going to touch upon in the Sunday class in years to come in the response of Rabbi Nasha Klein. What should a person do in life? We, we all face that challenge. So for the sake of argument, we have to make a living, we have to work. All right, no one argues with that. But what about if you're wealthy? Yeah, your grandparents conquered the world and, and left a, a fund for you. What do they call it? There's a word they use, a trust, a trust fund. Am I right? That's the word in English. You have a trust fund. If you're alive and kicking every year, you get $50,000. You'll have to work. So should I sit and learn Torah all the time? Or should I also teach? I have knowledge. I have to pass it on. And that's a serious question. If I teach, there's no question. I will not achieve the knowledge that I could achieve if I didn't spend time teaching. On the other hand, what's the good of knowledge if you don't teach it to the next generation? How do you balance it out? Where do you draw the line? The Vilnagon was totally involved in learning. He never gave public she'or. Those who became his Talmidim had to seek him out. And, and no one sought out the gong more than the Chaim Volashim. And that's what I told you about, that at least Norman Lamb says four times a year, could be it was more, he would write down a list of questions that bothered him, and he went to visit the gong. The gong couldn't turn someone away who came with questions, and that's how their relationship was established. Now, there's a footnote on page three, which is very important. You see, this is what makes his doctorate, to me, unique. Here, he quotes... Mori Rebbe Harav Hagon Rebbe Yosef Dov Halevi Salavitchik. I'll say it in English. He writes it up in Hebrew, a translating Hebrew. 
the only time the Gong gave Sheurim in public, and see the Moriah Rebbe, the Rav, has this tradition from his family was, let me give it to you exactly, the Kiatkufa Yechida, Bahigid Hagon Sheurim Bopundi, Hayatashana Shelacharei Pitirat Imo, that the year following his mother's death, that year he taught Mishnayat in Khamnemri. And what did he teach? According to Moriu Rebbe, Dishen, he says this was family tradition, Seydizrayim Vitahabot. And later, part of the Shurim were written up by Talmudim. He gives the name of the books here, but it's the Talmudim who wrote them up, not the Gaon. Now you notice he taught Zrayim Vitaharat. So you can ask a very simple question. Why those Sadarim? And here I'm giving my own answer. I may be right, I may be wrong. Uh, you know, everyone on their own can handle, say, the Moed, say, the Nashim, Nizikin. Zrarim v'taharot, wow, that's difficult. There, if the Gaon has the knowledge, there's a special mitzvah, share it with the public. Most people can't handle it on their own. And I may be right, I may be wrong, but it makes sense. Now, I want to make another comment on something I just quoted, and here I'm going above your average, the average person, but uh, I want to make the comment because I don't want someone to say 50 years from now, 100 years from now, yeah, Rakefet gave a good cheer, but he wasn't totally honest. Uh, Rabbi Lamb's doctorate, you got to know what Bernard Revel graduate school was like in my time. These were world-class world-class professors, experts. I mean, you take someone like Shlomo Kalman Mirsky. This is a man who knew all of Shas. As a kid, knew Shalayim. In America, he got a PhD from Columbia University in his 50s. I mean, you got these people were... There was a Joshua Finkel. Oh, what this man knew. He was a, a rabbinic graduate of JTS. But he went on to Semitics. There was no one who had the command of the ancient languages than Joshua Finkel. There was Agus. You've all heard the name. Uh, also, his PhD and and his theories and medieval Germany, Ashkenaz, and democracy, and his mother, Bezivik Shani. Can anyone tell me who his mother married Bezivik Shani, his Zivik Shani, her Zivik Shani? Yomo, Harry Fischel. Get it? Uh, Yehuda, Harry Fischel, he didn't lack for financial backing. Oh my. Kenny, Harry Fischel, one of the three people who gave YU in the ninth, Lamport, Gottesman, and Fischel. They all gave YU $200,000 towards the campus that you studied in in Washington Heights. Got it? 
You know what $200,000 the 1920s? Today, every Tom, Dick, and Harry who owns a hut in Jerusalem is worth 200000 and more. But then, wow. By the way, he was a very from Jew as well. And you can visit his, the tremendous house he built on Park Avenue going up 20 stories or so. And you'll notice on the second floor, there's nothing above one room. No more. But you know why? Second floor is his apartment. That was his sukkah. And nothing could block his sukkah. You show me how many Kavirim will build a 20-story building and for 18 stories lose rent so that their sukkah on the second floor is not covered. That was Harry Fischel. So anyway, the Bernard Rebbe Gazzard, these people, see, they criticized Rabbi Lamb. His doctorate is not scholarly enough. Max, can you call attention to what they're criticizing? What did I just quote? Moriu Rebbe, Harava Gon, Rebbe Yosef, Dov HaLevi, Salavechik, Shlita. In a footnote, new, tell it to them what they taught you in Harvard. In a footnote you put in, Joseph B. Salavechik, period. Not Mori Rebbe, not Haraf Hagong, not a Shlita. I have a problem with it until today. I was heavily criticized by Rebellion Tzvei because in my work in Rebellion Silva, I didn't repeat Rabbi all the time. A Talmud of his, my dear Talmud later, Rabbi Blau of Cleveland, told me how he criticized me. I told him, well, this is what I was taught how to write by Chaim Poltak. The first time I mentioned the name of a big rav, I introduced him properly. But afterwards, you call Silva, Rabbi, Chief Rabbi, Rosh Yeshiva, but you can't give all the titles. It's not art scroll. Nowadays, what I try to do, let's say in a footnote, I might put in R period, Rabbi. I don't want to embarrass, but I have my problems with it. You quote, you have to quote. It's academia. When we're scholars, let the world say we know something. But when we're writing, we're quoting human beings. But okay, this footnote is an example. Uh, you don't know. I mean, I'm being very brief. But years later, one of the people who were on the Bernard Vero Graduate School faculty used to drive me crazy why he would talk with me about Rabbi Lamb's work, and he, it's not academia, it's more yeshivish. Okay, more yeshivish, but the academia, the academic part of it is fabulous. Let me go a step further, and I'm quoting here, you'll see where he gets this from. Uh, if you've heard my lectures uh, on, in, in the survey class I did in uh, Torah history in modern times, you remember I spoke about this, and it's a beautiful description that Yitzchak uh, Velazhin, that that's this, we're going now, uh, Reb Chaim had a son, Reb Yitzchak. Reb Yitzchak Velazhin, later as Rosh Yeshiva, will come to him, very interesting personality, uh, the Russian 
was quite a, a more open individual. He was involved with the Lubavitcher with the Tsar. It's quite an individual. So he tells the following story that uh, he was a kid growing up and uh, he hears his father is going to the Vilna Gong to ask him some questions and he says to his father, I also want to see the going. I also want to go with you. And his father looks at him and starts shaking. You want to see the gong? And the kid, you know, gets a little upset. He sees his father is shaking. Tehilu, rechilu. And he says, you know, the kid, so why is Alec? Yeah, I want to see him. So it's not, okay, prepare yourself, we're going to travel. They get the carriage, they're in the carriage. And as they're getting closer, going from Volusian to Vilna, a good few hours travel in a horse and carriage, his father is shaking, shaking. And the Chaim says to the kid, to be sicha, you're certain you want to see the Vilna gone. And he's shaking. And the kid describes, they come, Vilna, they're right near the cloys, they're going to enter. And his father is pale, white, looks at the kid, Shaking, can barely get the words out. Du besicher, you're sure the Wilson Rhein kommen, you want to come in to send the Vilna gone. Oh, Pamponayale Abba Beretet, Af Akarokseli Kanesh. And the kid was, Kira Chutzpan, kid went in with his father to see the Vilna gone. But you see, the derecheretz, the awe, the reverence. Imagine how fortunate the Rav was that he met someone that yet knew someone that saw the Thuma gone. All right? This gives you a feeling what we're talking about. Okay. I want to go one step further. We'll end off with this. It's quite um, touching the surface of quite an interesting topic. I've spoken about it in many different contexts over the decades. Ravneria, the great Ravneria, records the chesped that he heard from Rav Avram Yitzchak Kohen Cook. And he said in the Hesped, you'll see the source, it's all here in Dr. Lamb's uh, thesis, and he says, Reb Chaim Gila et Hagon, that Reb Chaim discovered for us the Vilnigon. This Hesped was given on the 100th anniversary of the death of Reb Chaim Velashen. And you have to remember, Reb Chaim Velashen Cook was a graduate of Velazhin. And he gave the Hesper on the 100th yard site of Reb Chaim. 
And you see what he's saying here is absolutely true. You have Gedole Yisrael if they don't teach. A person can only become well-known. Students, writing, publications. Can be the greatest going in the world. But without students, no one will know who you are. The Rav became the Rav because of his students. He published, again, I'm touching, whatever I say, I could lecture for hours. He published very little during his lifetime. Rakefik writes about it, he had a hang-up, a complex. You don't publish. Who says we're Rav? Brisk. But he had students. The Chazonish never taught in his life. He became famous through his foreign. Chazonish, his first time he published, he published without mentioning his name, anonymously. Afterwards, Chazonish, Avraham Yishayahu, everyone already knew you couldn't hide who the Ish was. The Vilna Gon would not be known at all. He said, that's Gizitsan and Avinkel. He sat in the back corner, still ahead, quietly in a cloise. No students, no publications. The Prime Volosian made him world famous. Hit the nail on the head. And finally, let me touch upon something that uh, you can analyze endlessly. And let me introduce it properly. I'm talking to you about Rav Soloveitchik. Yomo never saw Rav Soloveitchik in his life. If Yomo had seen Rav Soloveitchik, he would be a different Yomo, a much better Yomo. And I don't want to go further. But... I'm telling you about Rav Soloveitchik. I can describe him from, in great depth. The Baron Cutler. Wow. The Nussen Wachtvogel. Jacob, I don't know if uh, out in California you ever heard these names. He was the Mashkiach in Lakewood in my time. You've heard the name, Rav Nussen, the Alta Mashkiach? We'll get to him in a few years when we deal with the Americans who came to Europe to study. Rav Yaakov Meisha Klein Lesson Mashkir of you in my time. What individuals? No. Could you imagine if these individuals were so great? Who was the Rambam? Who was the Ramban? Rashi, the Balei Toslat, the Gonim, the Sabraim, the Amorim, the Tanoim. Who are we talking about? Nevi'im. Lokam Kamosha Od. And that comes back. Remember I told you the conversation on the L.L. Plain, 1980, January 1980. Yeruchim Meshel and Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. 
And sitting right across was a guy named, already well known as Rakefet. And remember the grandson standing there, hovering over Rabbi Yaakov, and finally Rabbi Rucham Meshel asked him, who is that young man standing over him? My grandson. What? You talk to your grandson? And by the way, this whole conversation is an Achemish Yiddish, their native language, both Yerucham Meshel, the head of the Histadrut, big Mapainik, Friend of David Ben-Gurion, just was his 50th yard site. I remember his funeral under my window. And uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. And Rabbi Yaakov had no relationship. So Rabbi Yaakov says, no, I'll explain it to you. You believe man comes from a monkey. The older you are, the closer you are to the original monkey. Your grandson wants to keep away from monkeys. We believe the opposite. We come from Gedole, Gedole Yisrael. Who can equal Moshe Rabbeinu? Who can equal the Ovat? We spoke about uh, Yitzkenberg's article yesterday. There's a letter to the editor in today's post saying every word I said yesterday, praising the article and that proves Rakefitz an honest man. I have students accuse me of being too critical of Yitz Greenberg. All right, I'm critical when I feel it's anti-Torah, anti-everything I believe in. But what he wrote yesterday was magnificent, beautiful, total agreement. The Hartman wouldn't agree with him, but the Rav would. Remember what I said yesterday. Come back here. My grandson wants to be close to me because I'm closer to the greatest people that ever lived. That's Torah. That's generations. That's reaching back. So tell me, can, can we understand who the Gon was? We understand who the Rambam was. I mean, you just think of the Rambam, what he put together in Mishnah Torah. And Vic, that's without a computer. Today we're all big shots. We have a computer program. Hey, right or wrong? He put together nothing. What? It's, it's overwhelming. Can we ever conceive of who they were? And now we come to the story that ends today's class. Gentlemen, I taught many wonderful students over the generations. I taught two girls in Michala, one in the Chutzlaritz Machal and one in the Israeli division, first cousins, two fathers. Recognize the names? Professor Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, one from Cleveland, one came back, Tzvat, Lower Lena, one of their sons was killed in the Yom Kippur War. Or maybe I'm wrong, maybe it was the first Lebanese war, Muhammad Shlom Hagalil, I think, 1982. Of course, 
that would make sense chronologically. The Yehuda brothers, Talmidim Mufhakim of the Chazon Ish. David, I'm letting you wear the Yankee hat, hoping we're going to have better news in the spring. If we do, I'll wear my Yankee hat to class. If we don't, I'll wear my Russian strimal, so you'll see me as a dunce. And uh, the Dov, I own a Russian strimal. The real McCoy. Mink. Real McCoy. You don't believe I was in Russia so many times? I'll prove it to you. Communist Russia on my head. Gentlemen, the Yehuda brothers were Talmidim of Hakam of the Chazonish. They bothered him. They spoke in learning with him. He loved them. But then they went to university. And they brought Hebrew you. And one of them wrote a research paper and he mentions the Gon. And the Chazonish, this is probably the most famous letter the Chazonish wrote. It's in, uh, you can find it. Kovets Igrot Chazonish, Volume 1, Letter thir- letter 32. Lev, very easy to remember. Lev. And there are more sources here. You'll look at Normie Lamb. And uh, Chazonish writes this letter to them. I read what you wrote. I read what you published. And I don't like your attitude towards the ramp, towards, let me get it straight, uh, 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 I, I, I don't like your attitude towards the Vilna Gong. They wrote about the Vilna Gong with a certain, uh, you know, diffidence, that all right, he was a great Gong, but with scholarly research, it sounds like Professor Lieberman now, JTS, my de- debate with Moshe Greenberg, Zichron Levracha, little Lonnie Rothkopf versus Moshe Greenberg, 1961, Lower Marian Synagogue. We can go further and no more than the Gong. And the Chazonish writes, she can't relate that way to the Vilna Gong. He was a Rishon. He has the status of a Rishon. Wow. And later, the Rav Yehuda, Professor Yehuda, who lived in Cleveland, wrote an entire article in tradition on his correspondence with the Chazonish and their attitude, their approach to the Vilna Gaon. I later, I was the recipient, I asked his daughter about how does your father explain what the Chazonish wrote about him and his attitude to the Vilna Gaon. And her father wrote me, a, I have it, like a 20-page type letter explaining his viewpoint, and afterwards it was published in tradition. But I have the original letter, in which I'm the one who inspired the article by asking the daughter 
how can your father, how does he deal with this? His own Rebbe, the Chazon Ish, is criticizing him because of his Kishapo Sheret of the Vilna Gom. Gentlemen, what have we just said? Is this possible? A Rishon, the Vilna Gom. But you see, in Torah life, once in a while, God does us a favor. Mark is growing up in Holyoke, and uh, he hears all these stories about Rishonim, Amorim, Tanoim, and he's an American kid. Can it be someone can know so much and be so dedicated and so holy and once in a while what's the scientific name if you've studied Darwin a throwback a throwback God placed the rabbi in Holy Oak Massachusetts who may have been the greatest rabbi ever to live in the United States Mark, tell them the name of the rabbi. Rabbi Yehuda Leib Foreman. And he was a gone idea. The Rav trembled in his presence. Rabbi Leizer Silva would never pass in a difficult shiler without consulting him. And no one knew about him. Still a hate. Quiet. Lived in Holyoke. It's unbelievable. His whole American life was spent in Holyoke. Torah Vadas used to send them students for smicha. We'd give them a beginner and give smicha. Chafetz Chaim. Yeshiva Chafetz Chaim is a breakaway from Torah Vadas. The same thing, Chafetz Chaim. Torah Vadas. Wow. A little for you. No one heard of him. But if you knew him, he was a throwback to earlier generations. Who was his childhood Chavruta Yehuda? The Mechita Eloi, Reb Shlomo Palachek. And believe me, if you didn't have the Mechita Eloi, you're under arrest. A YU person not knowing who the September 1st Rakefet drinks for Lachayim, 1922, 101 years ago, the Mechita Ilui got off the boat, the first Gon Adir to come to America to teach Torah, not for any other purpose. Yeshivas Reb Open up Rakefet Aaron Chilek Aleph and read about the Mechita Ilui, then walk one. A 25-minute walk from here to Rehov Ha'ilui, and you'll see the sign. I'll shame Reb Shlomo Palachek Ha'ilui Mimechet. The Lushen, Rav Foyer's childhood chafrata. Both learned by Rav Chaim Briska. Gentlemen, to reiterate, I'm sorry, I have to end off. Vic, you're ready to... We can celebrate. We can celebrate, okay? So let me end off in dignity. All right, it was a good share today, and I forgot my tsaris for two hours.
It's a sad, sad day. And I pray to the Rebbeinah Shlomo we should have no more Kabbalah. And why you has paid such a heavy price? Hard to believe. Hard to believe. But as I said, this war is much more difficult for me than the Yom Kippur War. Yom Kippur War, I was naive. Our great leaders. This war, I know our leaders. And believe me, the intelligence, which I always thought was superb because I've dealt with intelligence, I'm under a security clause, and certain things in my life, the army, but wow. Tachet mikobi koret. Ten below zero. And the other part is obviously when you live here four years, you don't know that many people. When you live here 54 years, you know hundreds of thousands of people. And among them, young men, young women, given their lives that we may be able to live and continue and pray that Lakewood will wake up one day and come in Aliyah. So what did we do today? We continued with Rebchaim Volashin. We rounded out last week's year and we ended off a Rishon de Chazal Nish, a fabulous topic. All right, I'll let Vic take over. You're the boss, Vic. No, no, we have some Set it up, no? Yeah, okay. You're the, you're the boss. It's my, I'm celebrating between my Geisha birthday to my Jewish birthday. By the way, does anyone want these Sudurim with prayers for women? If you have a, your Eshet Chayo likes to daven, these are beautiful Israeli prayers for Kevarachel, for all that we have here. And if anyone's interested, any American of some age who grew up and knows about Broadway shows, the New York Times had a very fascinating article a few days ago. Let me, let us tell you a story how Jewish people built the American theater as we know it. Very fascinating, very insightful. And I would say, unfortunately, a lot of assimilation, but that's our story in America. If anyone wants the story on penguins, it's fabulous, open, okay. And let's drink a l'chaim, baruch Hashem, higanu l'gil hazak. No youngster, but baruch Hashem. Was Moshe used to drink on his birthday? No, I have I have a lot of different color for birthdays, but we have to clear out of here as soon as possible because uh, my bed rush is coming in. Yeah, can we you all drink fast? Yeah, we we'll drink fast. We we'll drink fast. Uh, someone open this. Someone who has strong a young man can strong hands. Please open it. Uh, let me just write down. We finished. We No classes next week, okay? Hanukkah.
Got a boy, we have to get a professional bottle opener. What's this one? This is just a sitter? It has a little stuff in it? Ah, okay. Yomo got it, color Kabbalah. So star Shiloh, which you make a bracha on first. But I'll do the conventional, although you can make a case that the uh, brandy is chavivala. Baruch atuad anem melechulam b'reim b'nei b'zanot. Amen. Just half could have to drive. Bevy, what time do you come here in the morning? Saw you. We have we had an unofficial night meeting. Saw you here. Um, I uh, I'm always here by 6:15. Where, where do you Where do you live? Do you drive here? 6:15 in the morning. Does everybody uh, take advantage of you? I dabble at an illegal minion. 6 30. Sometimes it's illegal, but they have a heter going back to Rav Kook, as long as it's after Lota Shacha. Of course, soldiers stop in that, that means some still do in Kukra. My Rabbi, America, Simon holds that people always dive in the before, 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 preparing shayurim and writing and like there's new material I found last night that I can't believe for next Sunday's class so I had a Xerox this morning we had to answer questions the emails and I bring the work home this is very good brand. Yeah, it looks like good stuff. I can't drink so much. I'm a lightweight. Just the soya tofat. Wow, it's very nice. You have to thank Vic. He's doing it for many years already. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's really good. Let me, let me tell you about Vic. He had the misfortune of hearing me speak in Flatbush many years ago. And he made up his mind he's going to be my student. And he retired early, came in Aliyah, and worse than that, he listened to me. He sold his residence in Florida. And during the winter, he maledicts the Rebbe because he's freezing, there's no heat. He went down to a lot to enjoy the warm climate during the winter. And while he's in a lot, it turned out to be the coldest days recorded ever in a lot. No hotel is made for heat because they say it's four or five days a year. Who wants to put in millions of dollars? Who do you think is in a lot for those four or five days? Fix snow. I would like you. All right.
right, gentlemen, thank you so much. I only hope we have better news. Do, do you know who the Bendines were? The great-grandparents, Sadikim Yusodeolam. Mrs. Bentheim, Ilse Bentheim, was, uh, she's a Solomon, comes from Gedole Israel. You never met a woman like her who was so learned. Did anyone know her? She, you, you know what I'm talking about. And on a personal level, I never had a person who admired me more than Ilse. She said, every word you write on a quote of her. She read everything I ever wrote. She edited my work on the rough. I thank her in the introduction. She went through both volumes word by word by word, made some corrections that were fabulous. My English, I mean, emigrated, immigrated. Uh, oh, what a lady, what a lady. Yeah, that brandy is a number yeah, one. Be careful, I'm taking the bus. Uh, you got, I got to be careful, I'm driving. <laughs> It's French brandy. How how much longer we can, how much longer we'll be able to import it? I don't know, but the full cup is not No, they can't. They, they have the population against them. When were you in France last? I was last in France during sort of the end of Corona in 2022, I think. We were there last a number of years ago. so bad. And I thought I was in a fourth world Arab country. I don't know. I was wearing a keeper everywhere. No, sad, but you didn't see all the Arabs on the street. Oh, I saw a lot there. Oh, well, in Germany, there was the, I used to wear kippah a lot of times. And my wife, said, actually, she told me, oh, you should stop doing that. You know, at some point, something's going to happen. So, you know, they, kept, they said like some, some Palestinian things in here and stuff like that. But, uh, I am sorry with everyone online, but uh, we had the Kiddush, what can I do? Can... L'chaim tovim v'shalom. That's all. Yes, do me a favor. Send me an email about uh, Herzl. Just email Herzl, a reminder. I'll take care of it tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know if she'll actually use it. Okay. If she doesn't, then bring it back. She doesn't know bring it back. You're one of a kind, Vic. I'll see separately. One of a kind. Um, I'm not sure this might be one of the kind. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. I'll, I'll, uh, I have the outside from my mother, so I'll make a seal. I'll uh, use a bottle, Baruch Hashem. No, I don't have to make any bracha at that time. I don't have to share. Who did it? Do you thank your father for me? Yeah. Okay, good, because I received so many compliments, I don't know something. But I'll tell you, what I wrote is Lamita Shel Torah. I only hope people understand that, that rabbis, when you have to make a decision on something like a demonstration, you must go to the experts. I still am traumatized by their, you don't know what, it, you don't know who a Falhalpman was. If he was willing to make a demonstration and put in a million dollars, there would have been hundreds of thousands of Haredi Jews. Now, you know the impact that would have made on Russian Jewry? You know what I'm saying? Who are they? What are they? 
the minute a Jew asks, I'm quoting my Rebbe now, the minute a Jew asks questions, it's the start of the return. Someone starts questions, you don't know where it's going to end. It's like Mark asking, who is this Rebbe who the late for you? Oh, follow? He saw the Ohel over his grave. That's what started Mark's his journey. son-in-law was my first grade work. With, with son-in-law? Trapper? Yeah. Wow. Danny Trapper is his first cousin is a grandson of Rebbe Huda Leib Foyer. You follow? Trapper, there are two Trapper brothers. One is Geshet, Danny, the, the member of, of, of Memshalat Yisrael is from that's from Danny's side. The other side is Yehuda Leib Foyer. Ah. The Rav Chaim told me, my classmate Chaim Salavetchik said, when the Rav saw him a mile away, he stood up and The world doesn't know. All right, let me. Let me thank you. Yeah, the Rebbe King will enjoy. Enjoy. And uh, gentlemen, finished. There's a drop left. Can you bring it downstairs? Yeah. All right. Leave it here.